Good evening. This is Quintus Curtius, and this is the sixth lecture in our series of lectures on Cicero's Stoic Paradoxes. And in this lecture, we'll be going over paradoxes four and five. Paradoxes four and five in Cicero's Stoic Paradoxes. And we've made a lot of progress so far in dissecting and explaining the main ethical principles of Stoicism. And I hope that listeners have profited from these lectures so far. These lectures are brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Publications. And it is today, November 25th, 2015, and this is a Thanksgiving holiday lecture. So maybe you can use the free time that you'll find yourself having over the next few days to enjoy this lecture and perhaps review some of the previous ones in the previous podcasts that have been made to reacquaint yourself with these ideas because, as I said before, you never really can have too much review. You can never really have too much analysis or thinking about these concepts because they tend to be difficult. And the more you hear them, the more you experience them, the more you wrestle with them, the more chance that these doctrines have a a, um, a way of cementing themselves in the mind. And this is how the learning process starts. It has to really come from repetition and desire. In this lecture, we're going to be talking about two of the most important of the paradoxes, four and five. What I'm going to do is start with paradox four, and we're going to list the main points to be gained from this paradox, and then go into a detailed discussion of it, and then move on to Paradox 5. All right. Paradox 4 is entitled, Every Fool is of Unsound Mind. Every Fool is of Unsound Mind. And the three main points of this paradox are these. The first is that a truly wise man cannot be deprived of happiness, even if exile befalls him. And the second point is nothing can be taken away from the wise man. The third point is character and conduct are all important. Now, if you have a copy of Stoic Paradoxes with you, if you have the hard copy version, which, again, you could find on my website, qcourteous.com, and look under the tab for books, and it takes you right to the links where you can get it on Amazon. If you do have it with you, you can follow along. If you don't, you can just listen along, and you'll get the same benefit. Now, Paradox 4 is a short one. It's a short a short entry into the series of paradoxes in the book, and it's a very rhetorical in nature. It really is a uh, delivered in the form of a speech against a political rival of Cicero's named Publius Claudius Pulcher, and he was a populist political enemy of Cicero. And this paradox, number 4, is really delivered, as the reader can tell, in the form of a speech. Now, right away, the main point is laid out in the beginning of the paradox, which is at section 29. And Cicero basically states that nothing of value, nothing of true value can be carted off or seized or plundered. He says, if you had taken from me my divine constancy of mind, or the awareness of my vigilance, care, and counsel. 
then and only then would you be able to have succeeded in injuring me. But since you did none of these things, you did not in fact hurt me at all. And what the point here is, is that what Cicero is trying to make the point is that nothing of real true value can be measured in a quantitative way. The things that really are valuable, our wisdom, our courage, our character, our knowledge, exists within the confines of our own bodies or our own spirit. So that if we are ruined economically, if we are ruined physically, we cannot truly be hurt because we still retain that same, uh, that same status as the wise man. And this was a very common Stoic paradox, a very common Stoic parable that was told in the ancient world. And we see it told uh, very often in the case of uh, the poet Simonides. This is a, he was a vehicle of a lot of these old stories, these teaching stories. And the listeners may recall the shipwreck of Simonides, where Simonides was supposedly on a ship and it capsized and everybody swam to shore. Some of the escapees were weighed down by their goods and worldly possessions. Some of them drowned. Some of them arrived at the shore and became beggars because they had nothing except their material goods to get them by. But Simonides uh, was well known as a poet and he was able to run into people who knew him and he was able to restore his good fortune just by virtue of doing that. And the moral of that story is the things that truly are of value we carry within ourselves. We don't need the accoutrements. We don't need the external trappings of wealth or power in order to be wise, in order to be good. And this is so important to understand because this is a central doctrine of the Stoic way of life. And we have to keep this in mind constantly. So Cicero makes that point in Paradox 4. And the rest of the paradox really is spent in the form of a diatribe against uh, Claudius. So it really isn't, there really isn't a lot there for us to talk about. Except at the end, he makes an important point. He says, the law will not apply to protect a man who might be in a certain place if under the laws he ought not to be there in the first place. So in other words, the law does not protect someone who has no right to be there in the first place. This is a point that is unconnected with the things that the doctrines that we're talking about, but still is a nice thing to keep in mind considering the, the, um, the legal battles that are now going on over the refugee crises and immigration issues. Um, it's clearly been a point of law for, for, for thousands of years that uh, you can't enjoy the protections of the law of a place where you have no right to be. So this is Paradox 4. Let's move on now to Paradox 5. And this is one of the densest and most important of all of the paradoxes in the book. And this one is entitled, Only wisdom liberates a man, and only the fool is a slave. I'll repeat that. Only wisdom liberates a man, and only the fool is a slave. Now, what are the main points of this paradox? They are these. One must learn to control one's passions. It's the first one. Number two. The second one is the freedom is the power to do as you wish. Three, the truly wise man will do nothing under compulsion. Number four, 
All evil men are slaves. Number five, historical characters who would consider some modern men a slave. And what I mean by that is Cicero is giving examples of historical Roman figures who would consider modern men to be slaves. And the sixth point are slaves are those who covet money or seek power or political office. Those people are slaves. We're going to go through and explain these points and state why they are relevant to Stoic doctrine. So let's first, let's move, let's plunge now into Paradox 5. So the major point that Cicero starts out with is that the wise man must be someone who can control his passions. He should be able to contain his own libido. He should be able to reject excessive pleasures. He should be able to keep his anger in check, to restrain his greed, and to ward off the disgraces of the mind that he calls. And this is in section 33 of the book. Um, you can find it there in the, on page 65 of the paperback version. Once a man has succeeded in putting his own personal passions in check, only then, Cicero says, may he begin to issue orders to others when he has stopped obeying the most unworthy masters of moral turpitude and bad judgment. And Cicero finally says, while, he, while, while such a man remains subservient to these masters, he can neither be a commander nor even a free man. And this is so important. This is such a critical central doctrine. And it sounds simple. You know, you might say, well, that's okay. That's common sense. Everybody knows that. Well, you know, it is, but it isn't. It may be common sense to state it, but these days it's not even stated anymore. But it's far, far less frequently practiced. We saw, for example, the recent case of the president of the University of Missouri, who was so uh, held in check, but was, was so consumed by greed that he lacked the, ne the necessary uh, character traits to stand up to a very mild challenge, a very mild challenge, which came in the form of the social justice warriors who were trying to remove him from office. So these things matter. These things really have modern relevance. Now, the second point here is that Cicero makes is that no one is free except for the wise man. And the question that naturally follows from this is, well, what is freedom? What is the definition of freedom? What do we call freedom? And here, the payoff comes in, in uh, section 34 of the book, in the text. It says, what is freedom? And freedom is this. Freedom is the power to live as you wish to live. Freedom is the power to live as you wish to live. The man who really lives is the man who wants nothing except to follow the right path, who finds satisfaction in his responsibilities, whose way of living is well considered and provided, who follows the laws not out of fear, but follows and defers to them because he judges them to be most conducive to the collective health, who says nothing, does nothing, and thinks of nothing except what is free and volitional, whose every plan and action, which he does, all, from, all follow from this and are all traceable to this, and there are no other things which dominate him more than his own free will and power of judgment. And you know, folks, 
I don't think I've ever read a better definition of freedom than this. This really is, if you get nothing out of this lecture, get this. The definition of freedom, and it can be found, as I said, in section 34 of the text, laid out by Cicero. And this is something that we really need to take to heart. And he goes on to make even greater points. He says, fortune herself indeed submits to, the, to whomever is said to have the greatest power. Fortune does control worldly events. We are buffeted by fate, subjected to the slings and arrows of fortune, but we can create our own luck. He who has the greatest moral power, he who has the greatest character, finds himself often the most lucky. It's no accident that you make your own luck. And we know this. The harder you work, the better you are as a man, the more lucky you will find yourself and the more you will find that fortune smiles on you. The more you will find that fortune smiles on you. As a wise poet said, and this is where Cicero quotes Ennius, the ancient Roman poet Ennius, fortune is attached to each man according to his own habits. And this is so important. This is so important. Again, this is such a great way of saying it. Fortune attaches to each man according to his own habits. Well, what does that mean? The better your habits, the more luck you're going to have. The better your character, the more you will be smiled on by fortune. Fortune attaches to each man according to his own habits. Have good habits, and you will find yourself ever more lucky and more fortunate. So, it seems to follow from this, and I think no one would argue that it does follow from this, that the wise man can do nothing against his will, nothing that he may regret, and nothing can be forced on him. If we believe the previous axioms that the wise man has everything he needs in himself to be wise and to be powerful, and that the free man is someone who does everything according to his own desires and he acts according to his own inner scruples, then it follows from this that a wise man can do nothing against his own will and nothing can be forced on him and he should regret nothing. And this really arrives at the essence of the beauty of Stoicism, where we are led step by step in an almost Euclidean geometric progression of propositions and conclusions to this, which is that the wise man is always likely to be happy to some extent because he's following his own inner compass and he's subjected to no one's will except his own. And I just find that architecture a very beautiful thing. I find that a very significant thing, and I hope that listeners will also find it uh, equally beautiful. It follows from this, that all bad men are slaves. All bad men are slaves. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, a bad man is someone who is not able to control his desires. A bad man is someone who is held in prisoner, constantly at war with himself, trying to restrain his own inner turbulence. And I've seen this myself with my own eyes, from the people that I've dealt with over the years, from the various careers that I've had in my life, uh, both as a military officer and as an attorney. People who are bad are simply people who are unable to control their passions. They are unable to control their passions, and this inability to control them, themselves 
is what gets them into problems. It's what gets them charged with crimes. It, it is what gets them into financial issues or relationship issues or other types of issues. And this is what makes them bad. They may not be inherently bad, but their inability to restrain themselves or control themselves sets them on that path to ruin. And he says, Cicero says, that servitude is the blind obedience of a broken and demoralized soul, lacking its own free will. This is a great definition. Again, this, I think, is probably the key paradox in the entire book, Paradox uh, 5, because it's so packed with great aphorisms and doctrinal points. As we said before, Cicero makes a great definition of freedom, and now he makes a great definition of servitude. I'll repeat that. Servitude is, as I see it, the blind obedience of a broken and demoralized soul, lacking its own free will. And this is why all superficial, all covetous people, all fake people, and all people of bad character are slaves. And he goes into an example of someone who is a slave, the man who takes orders from other people and is kept on a leash by his woman whose woman imposes rules on him, who commands him as, as she likes, who has him kept on a short leash. This is not someone who can be called a free man. The same thing with someone who is kept on a leash by a, a superior or a boss or a, a, a physical pleasure or a voluptuary pleasure. This type of person is a slave. So if you desire to do great things, if you desire to achieve great things and aspire to great things, he says, carry a praiseworthy, carry a praiseworthy spirit. It's a really great quote. He says, you say, I have waged great wars and I have stood at the forefront of large domains and provinces. Well, if you want to do that, then carry a praiseworthy spirit. If you seek to do great things, if you want to be great, you have to act great. You have to carry a spirit and cultivate a spirit within yourself that is truly great. And this will carry you through the dark times and help elevate you during the good times to those levels of existence that you really want to be. You have to undertake steps to polish your soul. So, even if we do enjoy beautiful things, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying beautiful things. Nowhere in this book does Cicero advocate being an ascetic, of being a uh, someone who withdraws from the responsibilities of responsibilities of life. He never says that. If we do want to enjoy beauty or pleasures, do them in moderation. Do them in moderation. He says, I implore you that the beauty these things may possess should function not as the chains of man, but as simple diversions for the immature. View them as diversions. View them as healthy diversions, but nevertheless, view them still as diversions. They will never complete you. They will never in themselves be enough to sustain you, just like certain foods are not nutritious or sustaining enough to keep us in health and proper condition. The same holds true of certain pleasures. And here Cicero then goes on to name some figures from Roman history who... who um, seem to 
symbolize the virtues that he's talking about. I won't go into them here because I want to try to keep this lecture brief. And he finally makes the point, again, reemphasizing the building on the previous propositions, when control of the passions abandons us, when we lose our ability to, when we lose our ability to control our passions, then this truly is a miserable and pathetic thing. It brings a lasting servitude to us. And the other form of slavery clearly is fear. He who is constantly held in fear, who constantly is worried about this or worried about that and tormented by anxiety or fear, that person also is a slave. And, you know, there's an old, there's an old Arabic saying, Kathiran yamut jubana, and this means a coward dies many times. A coward dies many times. If you are a brave man, if you have cultivated those strengths of the soul, you will never be in fear of anything. But if you are someone who is kept enslaved to your fears, then you're constantly on the edge of death. You die a thousand times. So it's so important that we really try to internalize these doctrines because they truly do free us. They free us from stress. They free us from worry. They free us from anxiety. But they don't come easily. If it were easy, anyone could do it. But they don't come easy. And that's why the first step in trying to internalize and absorb these doctrines is to hear them, read them, listen to me, talk about them, and try to practice them in your life. Because if you can do that, you truly will find or begin to find peace of mind. So this concludes our lecture of the discussion of paradoxes four and five of Cicero's Stoic Paradoxes. Again, you can find the book if you go to my website, qcurtius.com, and look under the tab Books, and you'll be taken to the link there for Stoic Paradoxes, which goes right to amazon.com, where you can find it. If you've enjoyed this lecture, please rate me on iTunes so that other people can find out about these lectures. I'd appreciate that. Until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. And this lecture was brought to you by Fortress of the Mind Publications. Good night.